You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. We're coming into the series on Christmas, and I just find this situation is very much like that. We read this story of Christmas, and it's a divine, I mean, it's a, literally a heavenly story, and all the pageantry that comes with it this time of year. But at the same time, it's, it's incredibly normal. You know, and very human, and it has all these different aspects to it, and and different emotions. And one of the things that we're going to discover these next three weeks, there's in the Christmas story, there's three primary scenes that we see leading up to the the, the birth of Jesus. One is Mary's encounter with an angel. We also see Joseph's encounter with an angel, and then we see the night of his birth. We see the angels' encounter with an angel. In all three instances. The angel says to them some words or something similar to fear not or don't be afraid. So for me, I just think that's fascinating that we have all this pageantry and it's just amazing. And the first response of the angel is don't be afraid. What does that tell us? There's something very human going on in the middle of that divine moment. And that's what's happening in the story. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be taking a closer look at these instances of fear. What was going on here? What was going on within those individuals that the angel felt compelled to actually say, don't be afraid? Fear is an emotion which left unaddressed will become a limiting factor in our lives, keeping us from the future that God has for us. And as I mentioned, today we're going to pick up, we're going to start with um, the Mary's encounter with the angel. And so if you have your Bible or your iPad or whatever electronic device you're using, or just want to follow along on the screen, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to you, I'm sorry, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the account that we have of Mary and this divine moment. Lord, as we dig a little deeper, help us to better understand what was happening, that, Lord, we might recognize those divine moments in our own life. And so we thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, A few notes. Some of you may be aware of these things already, but Jewish tradition maintained that more often than not, 
girls were betrothed and married or engaged at the age of 13. And usually sometime in the next year is when they would actually be married and join their husband. So during that engagement period, they still live with their own parents. But then they were usually married by the age of 14 or shortly thereafter is the case. Mary is a very, very young teenager. You know, so this idea that she's a mature woman is just not the case. She's a, she's a scared, spitless teenager um, is really what was happening here. And so it's important to remember just her age in the middle of this, um, this, this time here, this moment. The other thing, too, that I thought was interesting um, is that fear is not the immediate emotion. And we see something similar in Judges chapter 6 and in Daniel chapter 10, where there's an encounter with an angel. And in those instances in particular, there's an ongoing conversation that lasts in one case, in one case with Gideon, that actually lasts for a couple hours. And only after that is like, oh, wait a minute, you're an angel sent from God. So what does that tell us? In this case, we get the same sense. It's not, so it's not as if the angel is robed in white with the halo and the wings. And, you know, it's not one of these kind of cosmic moments we get the very real impression that this was an angel in human form. This looked just like a regular man. And that her emo- original emotion wasn't fear, <clears throat> but it... Um, I just lost my place. I'm sorry. Where am I going with this? <laughs> okay. So in all these cases, fear came a little bit later when they recognized they were in the presence of God. While they're talking, it's a very human conversation going on, but it's when they, when they were like, oh, wait a minute. Now I understand what's going on here. That's when the fear entered. So in verse 29, it's really appropriate that we ask the question, why was Mary afraid? So if they're just having this conversation, what was it that was going on? Because here's the thing. Mary was troubled by what the angel said before he told her she was going to have a baby. If you read the, the sequence... She was getting kind of troubled by this whole thing with the greeting. So, greetings, the angel said to you, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And that's when it says Mary became very troubled. And it was in response to her nonverbal cues that the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid. So, it was the greeting that, mess, that began to mess with her mind. So, what was all that about? no one knows. <laughs> I've done all kinds of like, why, what was, uh, what was going on here? There's, it's all over the map as to what's going on. Here are the two reasons I think that make the most sense. One is that culturally speaking, it was improper for a male to address a female who's unattended by an accompanying male in public. You know, and so we know that in the Middle East and some of those cultures, you just don't have men and women just do not have social interaction. So that a man, as a single woman who is now engaged to another man, to be confronted by another male without public, you know, in public, without an escort, and just it was, it was asking for trouble. Um, and so this was not a normal part of the social protocol. So by virtue of the fact that this person was talking to her and talked and engaged her in public, was causing her to be afraid. So that, that's one theory, and I think there's a lot of credence to that idea. Another one that I think is, is also valuable um, is that um, she may have just recognized the moment, that there's something unique here. Yes, there's a greeting, but 
Have you ever had one of those encounters sometimes where it's just a person, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, something's different about this? And it's more intuitive. There's nothing out there that tells you that, but internally you're just saying something's happening here that is above and beyond the normal. And I think it's very possible that Mary understood that her life was about to take a very drastic turn. You don't have an encounter with God that isn't life-altering. It's impossible to have an encounter with God that doesn't change you in very significant ways. So here's the thing we need to remember. Mary's life was pretty well set. You know, she, she was young by our standards, but this was normal in their culture. So she was doing what's normal. She was engaged. She was going to be married sometime soon. She was going to have kids, raise a family. Her life was pretty well mapped out, and it was a good life. It was the way things were supposed to happen. And I have no doubt that she was probably pretty excited about the whole thing. But in one simple greeting, life was interrupted and her world was about ready to be turned upside down. So again, it comes, for me, it comes back to this question again. Why was Mary afraid? And that leads us actually to the first point I want to make this morning. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. <laughs> Think about the other instances in the Bible where God interrupted someone's life. Abraham was a nomadic shepherd just out living. When God tells him, I want you to leave your country, leave your people group, leave your immediate family, and go to a land I will show you. In other words, he didn't say, I want you to go here, and here's the map to get there. It's just start walking, I'll let you know when you're there, was what he was saying. Okay? God caused Joseph to have a dream that foreshadowed his future. Moses was out for a walk when he encountered a burning bush. David was out tending sheep when he was summoned back to his father's home. Peter, James, and John were fishing when Jesus said, hey, throw your net over there for a big catch. Paul was on his way to Damascus, probably to persecute Christians, when he encountered in a blinding light that upset his whole life and future and direction. Each of these divine encounters was different, and some of them were more dramatic than others, but all of these, and including Mary's encounter, were nothing more than just simple conversation at the time. It was just, with Mary and others, it was just a simple conversation that began. Um, a few months into my first pastorate, uh, we were in Minnesota at the time, and I get a call at 3 in the morning. <clears throat> I don't like getting calls at 3 in the morning. I don't, Betsy will tell you, I'm, <laughs> when it comes to with our kids' stuff, I was pretty worthless in the middle of the night. I, I, just, I just was. It wasn't like I was, I just, anyway. Um, so I get a call at 3 in the morning, and I, the voice says, Helene's gone. Just two words, Helene's gone. And it was, uh, Helene was an older woman in our church. Uh, she had been declining health for a while. She lived a very full life, was a Christ follower. She'd been living in a nursing home more recently. Um, and the call was from Wally, her son-in-law. Wally and Pat, uh, Helene's daughter. Um, the, the three of them attended our church. And, um, and so the, the call was not entirely uh, shocking, but it was unexpected. There was no sense that she was going to be leaving uh, that soon. 
you know, so I, you know, get up and get dressed. I mean, it's Minnesota in the wintertime. No one likes to get up at three in the morning when it's 20 below zero and you got to drive. And so I drove over to where she was and to the nursing home. And, uh, you know, I walk into the room and Helene is still in bed. This is the first time I'd ever seen a, a dead person. You know, so this was a new experience for me. And, you know, but here's the thing for the next hour, hour and a half, Wally, Pat, and I spent the next hour and a half just telling stories about Helene and our experiences with her. It was one of the most precious moments to this day that I've ever had in my life. It was just one of those really cool times, and it was just, it was very powerful, very powerful. And, you know, at the end of that time, uh, you know, we, we held hands and we prayed, and then I left, and I went home. And, you know, I have to admit, I, like I said, I wasn't really excited to get the call. But driving home, oh, I was on cloud nine. I was just, it was, I, I had just been lit up with that experience. And, and just reflecting on what had happened, and I just come to the conclusion, I've got the coolest job ever. Says I get invited to all of the life's greatest events. If there's a birth, I get to go and share in that celebration with the family. Birthday parties sometimes, graduations, weddings, marriages, and yes, even death. I get to be part of those great moments. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever um, in recognizing that. And to this day, I, I really appreciate and value that, those opportunities. <clears throat> What sounded like a phone call from Wally was actually an invitation from God to be a part of something very special. To share a very difficult season with one of the families in our congregation at the time. I've said this a lot of times, and you'll probably hear me say it many more. Some of God's greatest moments are disguised as inconveniences and burdens. When it's first presented to you, you know, it's like, wow. But when you actually step through it and into it, it's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And something happens that just transforms us and changes us. What we often see is an interruption God uses as an invitation to be part of something that will be life-giving. So why was Mary afraid? Because God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Also, number two, God's purpose is often different than your plan. Back in March of, of this year, I uh, was, was at home. I had just finished uh, defending my dissertation. So it was within a couple of days of that. I mean, it was for the last, prior, the last four years of my life were just so focused on getting through this program. And so I, I was done. I was literally gosh, what do I do now with my time? You know, because you know, we're just trying to figure that out. And I wasn't, there was a season of life where I wasn't working elsewhere. I was, I was just, we were able to focus just on that. And um, the plan was for me to be able to teach at the university level. That's what I wanted to do. And that's where I thought I was going. That's why I went back to get the degree. And, and so that's where we thought we were going. And then it was a Monday afternoon. I remember this vividly. I get a phone call from Kathleen, Pastor Farrell's admin. And she says, hey, uh, Pastor Farrell, I would like to meet with you for lunch. Are you free tomorrow to meet with him? Sure. I mean, he and I had met over the years just periodically to talk, and you know, we'd bounce things off each other periodically. And 
you know, so we met, and in the course of that conversation, he says, hey, there's been some transitions, and I had known about this, and we had talked about that, and he said, would you be interested in being our next campus pastor in Statesville? I, one, I felt really honored that he would ask, because this is, I mean, I mean, look at, you're all kind of a, this is a big deal, um, and, but it wasn't the path that I was planning to go down. And there's nothing wrong with this path. It just was not the one I was on. And I had been, I'd been on this track for four years to go down this certain path. And all of a sudden, someone was actually shifting me this way. and said, hey, would you be interested in going down this path? And, you know, the more we began to um, just process this and ask questions and talk and... You know, I always I have this, Betsy and I, from the time we got married, we've always had this position that anytime something comes to us, we always explore it to its fullest conclusion. To the, you know, so in other words, if someone says, hey, would you consider this, wondering if this is an angel, if you will, you know, or if this is somehow God leading us, I just feel that in order to, to do it due diligence, I've got to explore it with sincerity and full intent. And so that's what we did here. And the more we talked, and we began to go back and forth and talk with other individuals, and Betsy and I talked and shared, just we began to sense that God was, in fact, speaking to us. <clears throat> but oddly, that he had this kind of a weird accent, kind of this Arkansas, North Carolina mixture. <clears throat> <clears throat> but that's the way God works sometimes. Very normal, very human exchanges, but right in the middle of that is something incredibly divine that you can't explain, that you can't predict. That was not planned. But you have to recognize that for what it is. And, and we, obviously, we, 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 uh, you kind of know how that story is being worked out. Um, but I was very content on the path I was on. I wasn't looking for this change. But now, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I'm, I'm having the time of my life in, in doing what I'm doing and spending time living life with all of you. And we often plan for what we know to do. We often plan for, to do what we know while God is planning according to the potential he has placed in our lives and the purposes he has for us. We're thinking about one thing and God's thinking about something else. And here's the thing. I've never found his plan to be worse than my plans. Um, some of you have obviously had a similar experience. I love Isaiah 55. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So why was Mary afraid? Because God's purpose is often different than ours. Three, God's plans are greater than what we can accomplish on our own. Abraham, because he was willing to step out and go to a land that the Lord would show him, became the patriarch of a great nation. Joseph was put into a position to save not just his own family, but the entire population of Egypt through a six-year famine. Moses led the people out of Israel, or I'm sorry, to Israel, out of Egypt, uh, and to the promised land. David became one of the greatest political military leaders in all of history. Peter, James, and John 
We are here today. We, you and me, are here today as Christ followers because of their efforts and because of what God did in them and through them. Paul, same thing. He paved the way for the entire Christian movement. Every one of these individuals had a divine encounter with God that they didn't go looking for. But when God knocked on their door and said, hey, they paid attention and they responded and did what they needed to do. God has a track record of calling ordinary individuals to opportunities that are far beyond their human ability. I've often wondered what would have happened had Mary responded differently. I mean, Rand, this is a 13, 14 year old teenage girl. I couldn't, you know, she's just had an encounter with an angel who says she's going to become pregnant. Again, all of this stuff just has all these cultural layers to them that we don't fully get. You're going to become pregnant, not from Joseph, your husband, but from the Holy Spirit. Oh, and he's going to be the son of God. And uh, oh, yeah, he's going to change the history for all people forevermore. It would have been very easy in my mind for her to say, are you nuts? Why would I want to do that? Listen, my friend Miriam down the road, she would like that. Go talk to her. (laughs) But she didn't do that, did she? I love what she said. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? From someone at that age who just had their whole life turned around, had the presence of mind in that moment for that response. I think that's just so pretty cool to see what that looked like or to see what she did and that, what an example for us what that might look like in our own lives. When God invites you to his plan, always remember two different things. <clears throat> One, the outcome is God's responsibility. I love what the angel says to Mary. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. That word is just as true for us today as it was for Mary back then. If God has spoken something into your heart and has called you to take a step of faith, whether it's starting a new business, starting a new relationship with a neighbor, or doing something else, that's very, I can imagine, you know, those, those can be very insecure todays. But if God is what who is calling you into that, he's never failed. God's word never fails. So outcome is his responsibility. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just need to be willing to take the first step. And then lastly, obedience is your responsibility. My encouragement uh, if, is that in all situations that you would do what Mary did and say yes. Whenever the Holy Spirit would prompt you with something, that your response would be okay. Now, to be fair, I can't say that I would respond that way as quickly as Mary did. I would hope I got there. It may take a day or two, you know what I'm saying? Like, really, right now, I have to decide now? Don't push me. You know, give me some time to think about this. But I would hope that my response would be the same as what Mary's response was. Lord, I'm your servant. May your words come true in my life. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, Mary's example. What an amazing testimony from a 13-year-old girl who, God, whose, whose life was on one path and completely got disheveled. And yet, Lord, she was willing to accept that call you had on her. Uh, Father, I'm conscious of the fact that there may be some here today who may have a similar calling. Not to birth the Savior of the world, but uh, maybe it's to, as I mentioned just a minute ago, start a new business. Maybe it's to go introduce um, ourselves to a, a neighbor or a coworker, or to invite someone to lunch or just something else, Lord God. But there's this sense that you're behind it. It's not just something we've dreamed up, but there, there's something there. Father, my prayer is that we would have the courage to do just that, to say, like, like Mary, that we would have the ability and the courage to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. We don't know how. We don't necessarily know what it will look like, but God will take that first step, make the appointment, start the investigation, do some exploring, talk with people, gather information. Whatever that first step needs to look like, we would take that step. And Lord, in the middle of that step, may they find you and find, Lord God, just the comfort and strength that, Lord, that, that taking those steps of faith can be actually in very secure seasons of life. Father, my prayer is especially for those who maybe have not done that with their own life. Father, in order to follow you in that way, we have to first surrender our life to you. So, Lord, I also pray for those who may not have done that yet. Maybe they've gone to church, they know you, they're aware of you, but they still have yet to surrender their life to you. And, Father, my prayer is that they would, in fact, do that. Maybe even now, just where they're sitting, just, just make that prayer. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you this day. I want to honor you and live for you. So, Lord, we're just, again, thankful that you do call us. You don't just leave us to wander life on our own. Uh, but, Lord, you've invited us to join you in this special journey here on earth. And sometimes, sometimes we have these moments where we encounter the divine in the midst of the human activity. Lord, what an honor and joy. Lord, give us the ability to pursue your plan and purposes for our lives. Lord, without fear. When the future might seem dark or unclear or uncertain, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. May we find inspiration in Mary to be able to do what she did and to put our trust and our hope in you as we willingly embrace our unique role in your redemptive story. And fathers, in Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.